Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 14 of Genesis chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 16 and 17. And Jehovah God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And I'll stop reading there. Now, we often focus our attention on the command that you are not to eat of this one tree that God called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there's a reason why we focus our attention on that tree. It's the same reason that Adam and Eve were focused on that tree. Because the law of God signaled it out, separated it, and made it different from all the other trees of the garden. But God also said something concerning all the other trees. He said, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. And Adam and Eve, their concentration wasn't directed towards that part of God's statement, to that allowance that God gave. You may eat, and that's a positive declaration, you may eat freely of every tree in the garden other than this one. And that means the overwhelming majority of trees they could have eaten from. There must have been numerous trees. We don't know exactly what kind of fruit the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was bearing. God doesn't give us that information, but it would have been a tree bearing only one kind of fruit, leaving all the rest of the fruit trees available to eat. Apple trees or orange trees or fig trees, all the numerous trees that were good for food, man could have eaten. And yet Satan takes the opportunity that the law of God presented because the law placed off limits that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil and Satan directs man's attention to that particular tree and away from all the other trees. As it says in Genesis 3, Concerning this situation, in verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which Jehovah God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. So they were aware of what God had said and permitted them. But notice how Satan, in his deceitfulness, gets their minds focused on that which they cannot have. In verse 3, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent 
said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eye shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat, and the eyes of them both were open. That is, now they know evil through the experience of disobeying God, of rebelling against God, they now know what that is. And so that's where we often focus our discussion. They disobey God. They ate of the tree they should not have eaten of. And that's because our minds naturally go in that direction also. We focus on the tree that was guarded by the law of God. Thou shalt not eat. Yet, first of all, God commanded the man. God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. You can eat these trees over here, and if you were walking around the garden, you can eat of that tree, and continuing, you can eat of this tree, and just numerous trees, all kinds of trees you can eat. And remember this garden and the law of God commanding you shall not eat of that one tree was all a test for mankind. And really, we can look at this as individuals or corporately, as we know the Garden of Eden does identify with the corporate institutions of Old Testament Israel and the New Testament church. But also, individually, this is how it works with people. God places certain things off limits. Now, at that time, his law was concerned only with that tree. At least we read no other laws that are given to man at the very beginning, except that law thou shalt not eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now God has expanded his law. He has increased his law. There are many more laws which means many more things have been commanded to be off limits. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not lie, and so forth. And God's laws continue to place restrictions on man, and man continues to focus his attention and, and this is where Satan continues to be the beguiler and deceiver and continues to operate very much the same way as he did right at the beginning. He directs man's desires towards that which God has placed off limits, that, that God has commanded against and away from the many, many things, numerous things, abundance of things that are permissible, that are still permissible today to man. Man has very, very little interest in things that are permissible. 
in things that are lawful and just and right. Man's desires do not go that way. Man constantly wants that which has been deemed contrary to the law of God, opposed to the law of God, against the law of God. That's where man's desires tend to go, and man feels deprived. He feels empty unless he can have this one thing, unless he can have this desire met. And if he can have the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, he always wants to know the evil. He desires to partake of that which is wrong and evil. He wants there to be abortion. He wants there to be open marriage where divorce means nothing and a person can marry and divorce ten times or as many times as they want. Or two men can marry or two women can marry. It doesn't matter. Actually, it does matter. The significant thing about all these things is they go against the law of God. And that's why they become a target, an objective for man to overturn, to go around, to do away with. He must experience evil. And man is not content with the knowledge of the evil he's already experienced. If there's a limit, if there's a law, he wants to break it. He wants to know the knowledge of good and evil. It is that which motivates him deep down in his dead soul, in his spiritually fallen condition, is to go against that law, to follow his lust's desire to rebel against God, because that is what he became after failing the initial test, the first test that God set up in the Garden of Eden. Now, let's take a look in Galatians chapter 5. Here, God says, after listing the works of the flesh, beginning in verse 19, and I'll read them, which we're all familiar with them. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of course, that's a good verse for us to look at after we're entering into a new year and all the New Year's parties that basically describes many New Year's parties, revelings, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So there are all the things that God commands against. And basically that defines a work of the flesh is that which God commands against. And that is what men do and desire to do. And that's why we're so familiar with all these things. They are everywhere evident. They're evident in our own life. And especially before we became a child of God, they're evident in the world around us. But now notice verse 22 but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. 
and we see very much less of these things in the world. We do not see these things hardly to any degree, at least not according to their biblical definition, in the people of the world. And notice what God says next in verse 23, after listing these good things, these fruits of the Spirit, against such there is no law. There is no law against love, joy, peace, being long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And temperance would be abstaining or holding back yourself from certain lusts and desires. There is no law of God against these things. Just as there was no law against eating of all those other trees of the garden. You could eat of, again, from any other tree. Any other tree. If Adam and Eve wanted to eat of one tree one day, another tree another day, I'm sure they could have continued on going to new and varied trees day after day for quite some time. And it would have been a different kind of fruit and flavor. And it was all good, all fine, and all would have been well between them and God and goodness would have reigned continually on the earth. Everything would have been perfect as it was from the beginning. But just that one tree over there, marked by the law of God, the word of God, said, not this tree. And so the eye of man's mind turns to that which he cannot have, which he's commanded not to have which he should not have, because God said so. And God's the creator, God's the lawgiver. If God says, thou shalt not, the creator to the creature, very well, that's all the creature needs to know. He doesn't need to know why not. He doesn't need to know anything else about that tree or that law, except this much, that God said no. And God is good and perfect and just and right. And God has man's best interest in heart and mind. And if God said, it is not for you to eat of that tree, then that is all man needs to know. He doesn't need to know God's reasoning or God's purpose or God's rationale. He only needs to know God's law. And God's law was clear. You will not eat of that tree. It is not for you. It is not for you. But here is man's awful rebellion and sin that he usurped the authority and power and law of God and transgressed it. And he went beyond. He went beyond what God had decreed and man sinned. It's just a terrible sin. For God to say, here, here's a whole multitude of trees. Here's all the trees you could ever want to eat from. All the knowledge of good you could ever hope to possess. Just continue to partake and enjoy. And you can have love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all the wonderful attributes that are God and they are yours, and enjoy them forevermore. 
And it was not sufficient. It was not enough for the man. Not enough for the woman. Oh, there's something I don't know. That tree, that mysterious tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Evil. And, oh, I need to know. I want to know. And so, man broke God's law and transgressed the covenant. And God did what he said he would do. And he cursed the man. And man died in that very day, spiritually, in his soul existence. And he became dead in trespasses and sins. Well, let's look at another couple of verses in the New Testament in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, here's the verse I want to look at in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things." God is giving the same commandment to his people today that he gave back in the Garden of Eden. And that's that verse we're looking at in Genesis 2.16. Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. And so the Lord says to you and to me and to all his people, Think on things honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report. Think on these things. Spend your time thinking on those things and doing those things. You know, sin, it can be committed in thought, word, and deed. Likewise, that which is allowable, permissible, against such there is no law, the good things, they also can be done in thought, word, and deed. We can think good things. We can speak good things. We can do good things according to that which God allows. And how many good things can we think? And how many good things can we speak or do? There's no limitation, is there? There is no law against such that we are permitted by God to indulge our minds, to give all the good things that we can imagine or think of to ponder and to meditate upon and consider we're even allowed to speak them. We can talk of good and just and honest and right things, and we can do them. This is what God permits each person. And yet, why is it that when someone becomes a child of God, and of course they learn the law of God, as the Bible is God's law book, and in God's law book, God sets restrictions. His law, his commandments do indeed place things off limits, 
just like the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and God's law says, thou shalt not think adulterously, or thou shalt not think evil against thy brother or neighbor, or you shall not do this, and you shall not do that. And God's law says, Sunday, you are not to work. It is not a day for your own pleasure, your own things, and so on. And we learn the law of God, and the individual who is learning the law of God often feels more and more restricted, more and more confined to do less and less, as far as the world's concerned. And sometimes that leads the person to feel sorry for themselves. Oh, poor me. Poor me. I've learned the Bible. I've learned about God's laws. I used to not know many things about God's law, and so I could enjoy myself and have fun and involve myself in many pleasures, sinful pleasures, but many pleasures, and now I can't do those things. I can't think those things. I can't say those things, and I'm just more and more restricted like someone in prison. And the world would commiserate with you and say, hey, buddy, get a life. And that is, come join us once again in our revelings and drunkenness and on and on and on with all the things we're free to do. Well, all the world is free to do is transgress and to break and bring more wrath upon themselves and a greater experience of the curse that they've already been cursed with. And yet, you see, we have fallen for the trap once again, the snare of man, the leading of Satan is to get you and I to look towards that which is off limits and to want it, to desire it, to want to go after it to want to step over that line and boundary and transgress that law and to enjoy greater knowledge of evil. Well, we just read today's paper or listen to tonight's newscast and you'll see what the knowledge of evil has done for man. And look around you. You know yourself personally. But look around at your friends and family and neighbors who are enjoying the things that are off limits on a daily basis. Do you see anyone, any one of them that's truly happy or content or at peace or experiencing true joy? No, it, it's all a delusion. It's all a lie. It's all based on deceit. We can see from Adam and Eve after they transgressed, after they took of the fruit of that tree, were they happier? Were they now fulfilled people? Were they completed somehow because the one thing they lacked, the knowledge of evil, they now had experience of? Oh no, right from the start. Nothing but bad things and evil things. Nothing but misery entered into their life. They realize their nakedness. They're driven out of the garden. Man, by the sweat of his brow, has to earn his bread. And the woman, through anguish, gives birth, and so on. And not to mention death that came upon them. 
spiritual death immediately and then later physical death when Adam died at the age of 930. Rather than living thousands upon thousands, Adam could be alive today, over 13,000 years later, if he had obeyed. And yet, look how short his lifespan was. Cut off at the age of 930, a man who was created to live indefinitely. And what good was there in that experience? What help did it bring them to disobey God? God knows best. God's laws are always right and good and best for man. And we do not have to know the reason why God gives the law. We only have to know God's character is that he will give only good laws and we are to obey, to submit and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and to do them. And we don't need to know why. Did Abraham know why that God commanded him to take his son, his only son, Isaac, and to offer him as a sacrifice? No, all Abraham knew was God was good and right and just, and all God commanded must also be good, and so he went about obeying God and was about to bring the knife down in obedience. Yet God stopped him on that occasion. Well, we'll pick this up. There are some interesting aspects to this command to freely eat that also relates to the corporate body. And Lord willing, in our next study, we'll spend some time discussing that. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.